Well, it's good to be here and uh, we're celebrating Christmas. We're also celebrating the end of a year. It's the last Sunday of the year. And in a few days' time, 2021 will be history. Uh, In many countries of the world, there will be TV and radio programs looking back, reviewing all the important uh, events or what uh, man considers the important events of 2021, both good and bad. And when we think about that, we wonder what people will remember. Some people will be remembering sports events. Others will be thinking about scandals. For some, there have been floods. There have been shocking and sad events from around the world. Fires in many parts of the world. Recent tornadoes in in the United States. And recently, more recently, there have been volcanoes. There have been uh, cyclones in the Philippines. And... Although we have these great things, many of these don't touch us. Many of us are not touched by the big world events in general. But we have our own joys and sorrows. And yet there's one event that uh, has overshadowed all things. And that's the, the COVID pandemic that we've known for the last 18 months or more. And this last year uh, has been... Uh, shown to be uh, sad and upsetting for for many, and many have died, and many have been left struggling, and many are still ill with long COVID, and it affects us. None of us are exempt. As a church, we ourselves have had many challenges and sadnesses over the past year. And yet, as we saw this morning, God is sovereign. God's in control. And uh, we see that God is not only sovereign, uh, he is still sat on his throne and still ruler over all. And as we come to the end of one year and we look to a new year, what a wonderful thing it is to know that God's in control and not us. And Joshua here is speaking to the Israelites and he's called them together. Uh, And I want to think of a a few things here. First of all, Joshua looks back and he looks back to God's faithfulness. In verse 1, we're told a long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies. God had been good to them. He'd given them rest. We're told Joshua was old. Uh, Forty years after crossing the Jordan, the Israelites had occupied much of the promised land, but still had many enemies around them. And Joshua calls all the representatives of the people together. He calls their heads, their elders, their judges. And Joshua, as we've said, is old, advanced in years. Joshua is about to die. 
And that's what he tells them in verse 14. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. It's a reminder to us that we all die. And unless Christ returns, all of us who are listening this evening will die. And uh, for these people, Joshua had led them for a long time. He'd led them for, it's approximately 40 years. And they're on the threshold of a new era. And their future to them is uncertain. And so Joshua reminds them of God's faithfulness. Uh, and that reminds them all that God had done for them in the past. And in many ways, there are similarities here between us and Israel. Our future is uncertain. As a church, it is uncertain. Uh, and he has stepped down from the ministry here after 20 years of ministry. And we're uncertain. Well, where is God going to lead us? Who is going to be the next pastor? There are uncertainties for us. But we, we look God, back to God's faithfulness. God was, uh, has been with us. And for the last 40 years, we've had faithful ministry. Do we doubt that we won't have it in the future? Do we doubt that God will let us down? Joshua, speaking to the Israelites, says, The Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. And that's the wonderful thing we have, even as, as God's people. If God be for us, who can stand against us? And then he also goes on to remind them, you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word has failed. What a wonderful encouragement to remind them nothing has failed. Everything God has said he will do, he has done. He has never and can never let his people down. And we as God's people can echo that. God has promised so much to his people. God has promised to be with his people. I will never leave you or forsake you. Samuel uh, reminds the people of all that God has done for them. They, they'd had a great battle and God had helped them. And Samuel, we're told, took a stone and he set it up and he called the name of the place Ebenezer. Uh, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Up till now, God has been with us. And it's a reminder. It was a stone that, that when people saw the stone, they'd ask, well, what, what's it for? It's a reminder that God has helped us up till now. Because he's helped us up till now, he will never let us down. So Joshua looks back. And we can look back over this past year. And yes, there may have been 
difficulties and trials and troubles for, for many of us. But we've also seen God at work. We've seen his grace. We've seen his mercy. We've seen his kindness in so many ways, both as individuals and as a church. And we can praise him and thank him for his goodness. We must never lose sight. We must never take for granted the ordinary things of life in which God has been with us. And he's kept us. And we praise him and thank him for that. Then Joshua looks forward. What he says to these people is, the future is bright. And he reminds them, again, not of what God has done in the past, but what God has promised for the future. You shall possess their land. Verse 10, one, of my, one man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised. And as the great nations had not been able to stand against them in the past, so they would overcome them in the future, because it was God who would fight for them. One man would chase a thousand. It sounds impossible. It sounds amazing. And you would think, well, maybe these people will doubt this. We have seen, we have the privilege of looking back. There were great promises to, be in, to, to God's dealings with them. But they're great promises. We look back through scriptures, we see them fulfilled. Uh, the book of Judges speaks of such deeds. Uh, it speaks of a man in, in chapter 3, a man called Shagar, who killed 600 men with an ox goad. Gideon, with his 300 men, destroys the army of the Midianites. Samson kills a 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. And throughout the Old Testament, there are examples of these promises being fulfilled. God will fight for his people, verse 10 tells us. Remember the story of Elisha. And uh, we, we know the story of how the Syrians were planning to attack. And every time they tried to attack Israel, uh, the Israelite army was there waiting for them. They couldn't uh, do a sneak attack. And the commander, the, the, the king, says, well, we have a spy in our midst. Someone is telling the Israelites what we are doing. And the answer was no. It's Elijah the prophet. He tells, he tells the Israelites when we're coming. He's God's servant. He tells them. And so we're told that they decided they were going to capture Elijah. And he sent this great army to surround the, the city in which Elisha is uh, staying. And in the morning... Uh, uh, his servant gets up and he looks out and he sees a great army surrounding the city. Uh, and he's fearful. Uh, what are we going to do? And Elijah, with uh, spiritual eyes, can see the heavenly army surrounding and protecting him. And he replies, fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are with them. Again, in Hezekiah's reign, we are told how uh, in one night 
the angel of the Lord struck down 186,000 Assyrians. God's promises are to be believed. God's promises are to be accepted. And these verses are as true today as they were then. You know in all your hearts and in all your souls, not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. Hebrews 10.23 tells us, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. God is faithful. God has said things. What God has said, he will do. But what are God's promises concerning his church today? There are many. John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. What a wonderful promise. There's a promise of eternal life. There's a promise of security. We can never perish. Uh, It's eternal life that will never be taken away. John 14. We have the Lord Jesus speaking. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things that I've said to you. We have that promise of eternal life. We have that promise of security. Uh, We have the promise here of that indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to to be with us, to teach us, to empower us, uh, and to to help us. In John 14, again, uh, we're told that uh, all our prayers will be answered. Anything you ask in my name, elsewhere, uh, it's clear. If you ask anything in, according to my will, it will be done. In Matthew sixteen eighteen, the Lord promises to build this church. He tells us the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew twenty eight twenty, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age. What wonderful promises we have. What about the future? We have these promises. What's our responsibility? What was the, the responsibility that uh, Joshua places upon the Israelites here? There's a challenge. And that challenge is to be obedient and to be strong. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. The Israelites are to be courageous to stand against all attempts to cause them to deviate. They weren't to turn to the right or left. They were to keep to all that was written in the law, all of Scripture. And we too are to be the same. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is inspired. All of it's to be paid attention to. We can't pick and choose the things that we like or don't like. It's here for us. It's our guide. It's an infallible guide because God has given it. It's inspired by God. It's not man's word. Hebrews 2 verse 1. Therefore we must give the more, more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Scriptures are there to help us. They're not there to be a burden. They're not there to, uh, to frighten us. They're there to help us. We're to take heed to them. We're to learn from them. They're, they're there to stop us going astray. God's word is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. Shows us how we should go. God says, this is the way. Walk in it. And so we're to hold fast to all that God says. In verses 7 and 8, Joshua challenges them and says, don't follow false gods. Don't follow idols. Cleave to God. They're to cling to God. They're to stick to God in a way that man and wife are one. Uh, So must the Israelites cling to God as they've done before. Uh, and continuing it to do it today and in the future. Uh, and these words are echoed in the New Testament and are particularly relevant for us today. Because we live in an age when the church seems to be on the retreat. There's talks of unity, there's talks of compromise, there's worldliness uh, creeping into our fellowships, there's a denying of the word of God by men who claim to be ministers of God. And we've seen faithful men, men who've been faithful for many years, turning aside from God's word and following that which is popular. What a terrible state for the church of God to be in. And yet, sadly, that is what many churches are like today. There are churches which, in all honesty, we have to say they are no longer churches of Jesus Christ. Because apart from the fact they reject his word, they reject him. And they fail to see that there's, there's salvation in no one else but him. And they keep their ordinances, and they keep their traditions and their ceremonies, but they leave God out of it. Exactly the same as uh, the Jews did before God uh, took them into Babylon. They did the outward things, but they rejected him and his word. And how sad the churches that we once would have thought of of being good and sound and faithful have gone that way. Not to follow these things. What's God's word to us today as we go into 2022? Same as it's always been. In verse 11... Uh, Joshua says, Therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. They're told to be 
awake. They're to be watchful. They're to be guard, guarding their hearts. Take good heed. And we, like them, are to be the same. We're to be careful of our souls. We're to guard our souls and to guard that deposit which God has put in us. And we're to continue in the love of the Lord. That's the most important thing. We're to love him. And we should... What can we say? We love him because he first loved us. It's not something that is, isn't returned. He set his love upon us in eternity. He called us to himself. And love is a fulfillment of the law. In 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Guard your hearts, but guard your minds also. Guard the word, guard the truth. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and all who hear you. And the Apostle Paul exhorts Timothy to look first at himself, at his heart, to his life, how he lived. His love toward the Lord and every aspect of his Christian life. And his doctrine. Doctrine is important. Not for its own sake. Because doctrine is truth. And it's God's word which is truth. It's very important. In Jude uh, chapter 1. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. We're to contend for the faith. We're to hold to the faith that we believe and we follow. It's what Timothy believed was important, as well as what he taught. Both go together. And Paul exhorts him to continue in both of them, to persevere in them. And I believe that's word which Paul gives to Timothy is God's word to us in our day. God's word hasn't changed. It's relevant. We're to look to ourselves. We're to look to ourselves in the light of God's word and under the convicting influence of his Holy Spirit. We're to seek to apply God's word to our lives. What about the future? What about next year? How can we hold fast? How can we be, as it were, unafraid as we go into the future? Well, we look to God's word. We believe God's word. We take him at his word. It's a challenge here. What about our love for the Lord? Is it as fierce as it once was? Or has it grown cold? There's a hymn, uh, Where's the blessedness I knew when first I knew the Lord? Cannot be said of us. Where's that blessedness we knew? It's easy to, to lose 
our love for, for the Lord. It's easy for our love for the Lord to grow cold. Uh, and the Lord speaks of people like that in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, he's writing a letter to the Ephesians, the church of Jesus Christ. It was a blessed church. It had many faithful ministers. Paul had ministered there. Timothy had ministered there. Uh, John, the Apostle John had ministered there. And this letter comes. And he commends the Ephesians for their diligence in the work. They'd, they'd been faithful. They'd done the work. They'd done the out, outward things. He commends them because they stood firm against false teachers. And they'd withstood trials. And they withstood persecution. But the Lord rebukes them because they had left their first love. He says, I've got something against you. You've done all these good things, but I've got something against you. You've left your first love. What about us? Have we allowed other things to come in? Other things to distract us? Other things to take the place of the Lord in our lives? Lord Jesus Christ said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. Can we really say this is how we love the Lord? Or will we, like the Ephesians, hear those words of rebuke? I have something against you because you've left your first love. You know, the wonderful thing is that we may go astray. We may turn aside, but God is gracious. If we're truly his people, then he will keep us and he will bless us and he will restore us to himself. Doesn't excuse us turning aside and we're to cling to him, we're to love him, care of him. But he's also promised that he will keep us. Just read some verses from Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our love may grow cold. His love will never grow cold. It will never be forgotten. He set his love on us before the world began. Christ died for us before the world began. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. What a wonderful encouragement that is. What a wonderful future we have. Luther in his hymn writes, 
I will not fear the darkest hour or tremble at the tempter's power. Jesus vouchsafes to be my tower. What about 2021? Well, I don't know what will happen in 2021 for myself, for you, for this world in general and what will happen with COVID. But I do know God is still in control. And we're challenged by his words, first to love him, and then to follow him, and to walk in all his way, to be very courageous, to keep and to do all that is written in the book of of the law of Moses, and not to turn aside to the right or to the left. And he's promised, whatever comes upon us, He will be with us. What a wonderful future we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that we have nothing to bring before you. Thank you, Lord God, we come because you loved us. And we thank you, it's all of grace. But even our faith is a gift of God. We pray, Lord God, that we might serve you, we might follow you. We thank you for your kindness and love to us over this past year. And we look forward uh, to your kindness and love and grace to us in the future. And we thank you, Lord God, that not only in this life do we have hope, but we have hope in heaven, life eternal, uh, a wonderful inheritance reserved for us in heaven. We thank you for that and thank you for all you've done for us. Amen.